and you're listening to the Talkline Network over WVIP 93.5 FM HD2, New Rochelle, New York. We are America's only Jewish radio program on regular broadcast radio on the Internet and digital platforms. Enjoy. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Fentanyl increases the risk of overdose, especially among people who do not regularly use opioids. And it can be found in heroin, cocaine, crack, methamphetamine, ketamine, and pressed pills. Help keep yourself and your community safe. Talk to your friends and family about overdose risk and prevention. If you use drugs, take precautions to prevent overdose. To learn more, visit nyc.gov health and search Prevent Overdose. gonna do with our children What are we gonna do to show we care How are we gonna be there for our children When they feel that life has just not been Good evening and welcome back to Masks Weekly Radio Show on Family Matters. Mask mothers and fathers align saving kids, kids of all ages and all stages for all mental health struggles, including addiction. If you know someone that needs a referral for a inpatient or outpatient program, a therapist, even a school, we're coming to the end of the school season. You may need a new school, a different kind of school, chanochlenaralp.co. You may need to change schools for one of your children. Feel free to give us a call so we could connect you to the right people, the right school liaisons. Our number is 718-758-0400. Remember, all calls are confidential. You can call anonymously, describe a situation, and we will try and get you to the right professional therapist that you may need. I'd like to say our number again. Maybe you want to jot it down for yourself, a loved one, a neighbor, or someone you sit next to, usually in shul. And that is our number, 718-758-0400. We still are offering Zoom parent group. If you're interested in joining a parent group facilitated by therapists, call us. Sunday night is Dr. Brachfeld, Shmuel Brachfeld, and Dr. Debbie Ackman. Monday night, Dr. Debbie Ackman does another group. Tuesday night, the first Tuesday of the month, Dr. Trish Atia, And Wednesday night, Rabbi Dr. Benzion Tversky, feel free to give us a call for more information on these Zoom groups or in-person groups. 
and the groups are for parents. So give us a call at 718-758-0400. Tonight, I am very, very glad to have with us somebody that is an author of a book for teens. It's not an easy conversation to have, but it is, I must say, a very informative, wonderfully written book, easy read on a difficult topic, and that book for teens who have lost a parent. And the name of the book is I Wish Someone Would Have Told Me. It is written by Mariam Ribiat and Tali Arief, clinical director. Um, she uh, is also part of the book. We will ask and welcome Mariam to tell us more about the book. How are you, Mariam? Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me on. This is a real treat. And thank you so much for everything that you do with Mask. I think it's really, really unbelievable. Thank you. And of course, Mask is not just me. It goes along with my staff. So thank you. So, Maria, I mean, this is a hard topic to write about. Very difficult and painful for so many in so many different ways. And it's really written so well. Um, firstly, I'd like you, I mean, Tali Aryev, who's clinical editor of your book, um, she has a little poem she writes, and I'm wondering whether or not you can share that. It's in the message in the book. Sure, for sure I can. Before I do, I just want to say that although I'm the author of this book, it was really sponsored by Chavrilom de Mishnah. Chavrilom de Mishnah is the nonprofit organization that I work for. And the, it really started off as, you know, come to us if you need someone to learn Mishnayas or Gemara, you can do it yourself. We have people learning. And we slowly branched out to really a lot of grief support in the firm world. So I just wanted to put that out there. Thank you. <clears throat> um, the poem. Okay. We wear the mask that grins and lies. It hides our cheeks and shades our eyes. This debt we pay to human guile. With torn and bleeding hearts we smile. And mouth with my myriad subtilities. Can't talk today. Why should the world be overwise in counting all our tears and sighs? Nay, let them only see us while we wear the mask. Right. And I say the mask could be, um, when I named it mask our organization it's about taking off one's mask and the community's mask um it, understanding all these difficult topics whether it's drugs alcohol death grieving whatever it may be so yeah i'm i'm um glad you were able to share that and i really would like to um let my listeners understand why you wrote this book and you know I know you wanted to provide support and validation and emotional awareness um, if you can just give us a little background please so how it actually got started I don't even remember I, I remember standing talking to my boss I remember the hallway that I was standing in and we were discussing this idea I don't know someone brought it 
brought it up to him. I don't even know. But when people ask me now what I want, what I hope people should gain from the book, like one of the things that's so important is to understand that whatever a, a person is feeling when they're grieving, it could be a teen and it could be an adult also, but they're feeling something, it's normal. Sometimes in grieving, like we could feel so crazy. How come I'm laughing before, but I'm crying now? And how come, you know, she's so angry at that comment, but me, it doesn't bother me at all. And how come last time when my sister got married, I was so excited for the wedding, but this sister's wedding, I'm like dreading it. There's so many conflicting emotions. And one of the things that I really want to say, but that I want people to understand is your grief is normal and anything that you're dealing with is normal because in grief, the grief is almost a side thing. There's so many other trillions of things that come up with it. Right. And there is no right or wrong way to grieve. Everyone grieves the way they grieve. Exactly. So let's talk. You you wrote the book for teens that lost a parent. Um, there's so many deaths, sad, most sadly, during COVID. Um how has that impacted your uh, book in general? So I was nearing the end of it, you know, because I almost finished writing the book when COVID came. And then we said, oh, my gosh, how could we have this book without without having a section on COVID? And I went and it took a very long time to, you know, to, to write a whole section on COVID. Um, those that went through a COVID loss, it's, it's really different because you know, the, the suddenness of it and the, like the quickness of it. You know, so many people said like my mother, my father, th they were here, they were fine. And then they went to the hospital and the next day they were dead. Or one person said, my mother was like laying on the couch. She was watching the little kids. They were playing Lego as she laid on the couch. And then suddenly she was dead. So like the quickness of it, of course, definitely adds to the, to the shock and to the trauma and um, by not having proper shiva, especially for, for teenagers, you know, on the one hand, it's, it might be uncomfortable when a teen is sitting shiva and their classmates come and girls that come and maybe they don't have so much to do with. And maybe a teacher comes and they feel a little awkward. But on the other hand, the loneliness of sitting shiva alone and getting so many less phone calls and only the good friends reaching out and even the good friends don't quite know what to do. It just makes the whole experience so much, so much harder. Absolutely. And just explain what Shiva is, if somebody is not aware of the word Shiva, please. Sure. So Shiva is the seven days of um, the mourning period after a person passes away, after a mother or a father, a sister, brother, or a child passes away. There's seven days that um, to really sit and to feel the grief and to go through the actions of mourning and to have people come to the house to show their support for the person that went through the loss. Thank you. So you do have a section about understanding and handling your emotions, which talks about anger and managing conflicted feelings, like you mentioned, and feeling guilty or disloyal or shame. And then you go into integrating back into everyday life after the seven days shiva. So it's hard for kids to go back to their everyday life, going back to school, knowing everyone's going to stare at them, talk about them, may come over to them. It may be difficult. Yes. What can you share? So 
you know, again, the experience could be different for everybody. One boy told me he went back to his school. He was about 17 or 18, I think, and he went back to school. And another boy that he really had nothing to do with, but this boy had also lost his father. This boy lost his father. He went back to school, and this other boy comes running over to him and giving him a hug. I also lost my father. And, you know, he thought they were going to be best friends now. And this this boy, the the, the newer bereaved one, felt so suffocated by the relationship and he was just like leave me alone like we never had anything to do with each other and we're not becoming friends now just because we both went through a similar experience and he felt very suffocated he told me that it did take a long time today they're very good friends but it was too much for him too fast um on the other hand there was a girl that told me that when their school was having um let's say um assemblies or something and there was music which is something that we don't listen to we don't listen to music for a year after the death of a parent so she had to go out of the room where the music was and when there was a girl in an older grade that also was in the year so even though they never became friends they had that like comfort during those times they felt connected so you know that's that's one part of it and then i could you know there's there's just so many parts then there's the parts of your best friends and how they react around you and what about your classmates so you sit in class with a whole day every day but they're not really necessarily your friends so then that can be complicated do they say something to you do they not say something to you and one person could want everyone to say something and one person wants to pretend that everything is normal so how do the classmates really know what to say whatever they say you know 50 50 that it's going to be right or wrong so um it's a little bit you know it could be difficult um if a person, if a, a, a girl or a boy is going back to school and they have a good friend where they could kind of state their needs and tell the class that I want everyone to just, you know, give me acknowledgments like, hi, welcome back, and the end. Or tell them not to say anything to me or whatever it is, then that could definitely be helpful. And then, of course, there's the teachers. Some teachers want to, you know, they, they want to show up and they don't know how. And some teachers are so overwhelmed that they, they, just, they just stay away. Like one girl told me that she came back the day after her mother died. And the teacher came to her and said, you know, you have to take, I think it was SATs. Does that make sense to you? SATs in, in yes. Like, you know, the SATs are tomorrow. She was like, what? My mother just died. Like, like how are you saying that? Um, you know, another girl told me that a teacher went to her best friend and constantly told her best friend, tell so-and-so if she ever wants to talk to me, I'm available. And these girls really didn't appreciate these ways. But one girl told me that when the teacher, you know, marked her test and sent back a note, if you ever want to talk, I'm thinking of you, that she appreciated. So there's just so many ways to go. There's everything is right and wrong. So it's really hard to Absolutely. know. Absolutely. And you really break it down in the book, um, so, which is so helpful. Let's get to the changes in the family dynamics. I mean, some people take on the parent role. There's so many changes that can happen. You speak about that in your book as well. Yeah. So, you know, that also could be difficult. It could be difficult or it can be good. You know, if, if the oldest sister or the oldest brother, whatever it is, was the type to always take charge and he always was the take charge person, then after a parent dies, he might continue in that role as a take charge only intensified and to the rest of the children that may be good like oh there's someone that's really taking care of us and taking care of the finances or the, or the business or whatever it is that needs to you know be taken care of or it could feel like one second we're the children the same as you like we, we don't want you now to overtake everything like we want to also have a voice so the dynamics could change in that way that that the that the you know that the intensity of the of the personalities come out and and the dynamics can change with remarriage and step families as well. 
that sure could. <laughs> and of course, that's that's a huge issue because you know you, you know it's it's almost like the step parent has to be wicked. I mean, they have to be terrible. So if they're not terrible, then some people will really appreciate it, and some people could struggle with like they're not terrible, but 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 they're trying to replace my parents. But that also depends on when the loss happened. If a young girl lost her father at the age of five and now she's 10 or 11 or 12, whatever it is, and now she has a, you know, a, a father that's filling in that role, a, a father at the head of the Shabbos table, and he's a nice guy, she might really like it. And if she hears some older siblings, oh, he's our stepfather, we don't like him. He doesn't sing the same songs at the table. He doesn't say the blessings the same way. Then it gets, you know, it gets very confusing. So each topic that you're bringing up, I'm like touching upon. Each thing could be a whole right. like our subject. <laughs> okay. Right. And Miriam, you do have many different scenarios in each topic, in each section. Um, I, I want to, there's one section I want to bring up and the section is titled Know Your Truth. Why don't you tell us what you're referring to in that, please? I think that's like very close to heart because it's something that is always my struggle. And I believe that probably many people struggle with it where we don't really know what the right thing is for us to do. And even though I talk about it in grief, it could really be in all areas of life always, but in this particular context with grief, it could be very confusing. If a person, I think I, I gave the example of a girl that, you know, decides to take advantage of the fact that, you know, she lost her parents and the teachers understand. So she doesn't have to do her homework because she could say, I was, you know, I was too busy crying last night. I was too busy helping out at home. I, I, I just couldn't focus, whatever it is. But that's where knowing your truth comes in. Is it true that I didn't do my homework because I really, really couldn't do it? I was just too emotionally a mess or I was really, you know, busy with the younger children the whole night? Or is it that I'm just taking advantage? Because if I'm just taking advantage of the situation, then at the end, I really won't feel good about it. But on the other hand, there are those people that could push themselves and push themselves and say, no, I have to do my homework. I don't want to be irresponsible. I don't want to be known as the girl that took advantage. So even though I really can't do my homework tonight, I'm going to push myself and I'm really going to do it no matter what. And that, that doesn't breed good results either. So it's really understanding yourself and really knowing what's going on inside of you to make the decision about what's right for you at that time. And today could be different than tomorrow. Tomorrow, your truth could change. So it's really going inside yourself and understanding. Right. And teenagers generally feel very angry uh, when, when they have such a huge loss. And adults not always know how to help them. Do you want to speak about... Uh, what you write in the book on this topic, please. So I'll tell you that it's not only teens that could feel angry. It's adults as yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the reason I say teens is your book is for teens. For teens, right. That, so that, that is. is why I'm bringing up teens. Thank you. I, I just, you know, I just had a conversation with a mother that lost a child, and she said to me, I'm just, I'm so angry. I'm so angry. If God brought my family into his plan in this way, I just, I can't talk to him. I, I can't have anything to do with him. So I guess that conversation is on my mind. So when you said yes. Teens, Yes, adults also. But um, I told this mother, and it's the same thing to tell teens, that it's okay to be angry, and angry shows how connected you really are to God. Because you're not angry at some, you know, some, some, I don't know, Indian God or whatever over there in India. You're only angry at God. Why would you be angry at God if you don't believe in him? So your anger shows the strong belief. And 
like God created emotions. We do have emotions. So it's okay if we're angry. It's not okay to, you know, to, 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 I don't know, it's not okay to start saying really inappropriate things or whatever, but it's okay to, you know, to tell yourself that like, I'm angry right now and the anger is here and I'm going to let it stay here. And hopefully it's going to, you know, hopefully I'm going to, it's going to go away after I feel it and, and work through it. And, you know, sometimes a person could have to, you know, speak to a mentor or speak to a therapist or speak to a teacher to help themselves get through it. But when we push away our emotions, they don't go away. They come back much stronger. So whatever the emotion is. When, it's a, when you least expect it to show back up. Right. It could be triggered by like the smallest thing. Right. Absolutely. So we're coming up to wedding season now. We're in, you know, after it's in the month of June. And it, it's really very, very difficult for so many people who've lost their loved ones, especially teenagers. They're so young to lose a parent. It's such a not natural for the way we, you know, we hope for. And, you know, parties and weddings bring up a lot, a lot of emotions what do you write about that, please? Um, so again, there's just so many different there's so many different aspects of it. But one thing I write about is again, like knowing what you need. Like one person told me, like the wedding and the the, the week of of parties afterwards for the you know the seven the seven days after the wedding or the six days whatever it is. It, it became like a funeral over and over again. Everybody got up and started talking about my father and how great he was. And of course, I want my father to be remembered. But it was really a happy time. I didn't want that every single speech, there should be tears and crying. So by the next wedding, this family made sure that, you know, they, they put it out there. You could mention our father, but just mention him briefly. And then the end. we're not turning this into like a full week of funerals. Um, so that's, you know, one thing. One One girl told me that one person told me that like she... She resented it. Her father died when she was a very little girl and she resented it when people spoke about her father because she felt like you don't even know him or you don't even remember him. You never talk about him. Like, so don't talk about him now. So those are some of the things that could come up. Then, of course, there's the actual, you know, if at the wedding that the, the, the things that come up, such as if there's no mother, who's going to walk the bride down the aisle? And that could get very sticky because this person feels that she should and that one feels that she should. And then, of course, someone told me about a situation where they asked the aunt or the uncle to do something. I don't know what it was, but once he had that job, he took it on, you know, it's his responsibility to also do other jobs. And for that, they felt resentful. So there's, you know, a lot of that. Um, one thing that I wrote about that I think is very important is to really kind of go through the like the whole with a friend or a teacher or probably a friend kind of go through the whole, the whole thing, like what the whole night is going to look like and, and, and be prepared, like mentally be prepared. This is what's going to happen. This is going to, who's going to be there. And this is, you know, instead of my mother, this is going to be there. Instead of my father, that's going to be there and kind of be prepare yourself, like, you know, how you're going to feel. And then when, um, and then when, when it happens, 
you, a person could be very surprised. They might realize that, like, hey, this didn't happen to me at all. I felt totally fine. I felt totally different. And that could happen sometimes just from really going through it and really preparing. Another important thing is to kind of, like, prepare retorts that you would want to say back to stupid comments, but you wouldn't. But, again, if you go through with a friend and it's a whole game of, oh, this lady's going to say this stupid comment and this lady always, you know, says stupid things about my mother and whatever, and this lady's going to say this, this man's going to say that. And these, this is how I wish I could answer them back. It kind of comes into, like, a silly game where you end up laughing and giggling hysterical, but then it's out of your system. Then when that lady says that stupid thing, you could like just, you know, smile, polite and walk away. Thank you. You know, this is a conversation very close to home. My parents, uh, my mother, Shalom, Ida Bistritsky, her, um, her yard site, she was last week. My father's Yard site is tomorrow, Friday. Uh, Label Bistritsky Shalom. So they died 10 days apart, um, two years apart, but on the same English day. So, and it's right before the holiday of Shavuos. And so many people, holidays are difficult. So what do you want to say to those families that, are coming to the holiday uh, this weekend of Shavuos, what message do you want to give them about moving forward or their parents' legacy? Uh, so I think that, like what you said, like taking their parents' legacy with them can be very comforting. Doing, you know, this is what mommy used to do. This is what daddy used to do. These were her favorite foods. These were her favorite songs. That can feel very comforting. For many people, it might not feel comforting the first year or two, but maybe afterwards, and some people, yes. Um, also, as far as eating the meals, you know, it, it could get a little tricky because, you know, going back to family dynamics, some people could say, I want to eat in our house, even though our parents are not here. Other people in the family could say, I need to go eat by, by people. I need to go eat by friends and neighbors every meal because it's too hard to be at home. So it's kind of talking it out with your family and seeing what works and maybe making some um, – some, some, what's the word I'm thinking of? Compromise. Um, you know, maybe some meals out and some meals in, or maybe the whole family will stay in the whole meal, but just this one particular person will go out to a friend or a cousin or whatever for a meal or two and kind of like, you know, figuring it out what really works for you to make it the best. Maybe you just need that, you know, that Chavez cake or candy that you love so much so that you could have something to look forward to after the meals, whatever it is, like you have to, you know, it's important to kind of see what works for you. Well, thank you very, very much. The book, again, is I Wish Somebody Would Have Told Me by Maria Ribiat. I will spell it. It's R-I-B-I-A-T. And Tali Ariev as clinical editor. I'd like to thank you so much for being on with us tonight. Thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. And I just want to say the book is available in any Judaica stores um, on Amazon, our website, chavrolomdemishna.org. Yes, thank you. And again, if you're a teen, you lost a parent, you want to better understand a teen who has lost a parent, whatever the circumstance, you will no doubt find that this book is very sensitively written and a powerful resource that offers insights into your emotions 
along with validation and support. Thank you again, Maria. I want to wish everyone a very good evening, a beautiful Shabbos and Yom Tov. And always remember, hang in, hold on, and hug tight virtually still for now. Tonight's show is in memory of my parents, Ita Bas Shlomo and Yehuda Lei Ben Mordechai. Thank you and have a good night. Please consider going online to maskparents.org and make a donation so that we can continue with our show and all of the mask programs. Thank you and have a good night. Hi, New Yorkers. I'm Dr. Ashwin Vasan, the New York City Health Commissioner. As we continue to live with COVID-19, remember that we now have more tools than ever before, including life-saving treatment options. Treatments include monoclonal antibodies or antiviral pills taken for five days that can be delivered to your door within hours. So if you have symptoms or have been exposed to someone who has COVID-19, please get tested right away. And if you test positive, talk to your doctor to find which treatment option is best for you. If you don't have a doctor, call 212-COVID-19 to get evaluated. The sooner you get treated, the sooner you will feel better. And remember, getting vaccinated and boosted are still the best way to protect yourself from getting sick from COVID-19. And wearing a mask indoors prevents the spread of the virus. Remember, New Yorkers, protect yourself and others. We can get through this latest surge together. Thank you. Did you know that in the infrastructure bill passed by Congress, there's a provision for every home to have Internet access? The government is giving away the latest brand new Android tablets with 15 gigabytes of data a month for the next five years. Yeshiva students can qualify regardless of financial status if you receive a free breakfast or lunch or have a Pell Grant. Families receiving federal assistance of any kind or if you lost your job also can qualify. Call 866-MAX-SIP-1 to get your free tablet. Again, that's 866-MAX-SIP-1, the number one, to get your free tablet. There is a one-time copay of $11. Call right now, 866-MAX-SIP-1 or online at maxsipconnects.com. That's M A X S I P connects.com get your free tablet call 1-866-MAXSIP-1 right now